in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to this show, another week in the books, week 14 in the books, and unfortunately it was a Vikings loss, 34-23 to to the Detroit Lions on the road, um, and we got Davis Kim from Pro Football Focus joining us once again. Davis, it's great to have you back on the show. We'll break down this Vikings loss. Um, obviously there's a lot of players sitting out, Davis. Uh, a couple of the offensive linemen, as Kevin O'Connell put it, 40% of the offensive line was out. Uh, and then Harrison Smith didn't play. A couple other on defense uh, didn't play. But it was a historic performance from the Vikings offense and a historically bad performance for the Vikings defense. What were some of your takeaways, Davis, from Sunday's loss to the Lions? Yeah, it's great to be back on. And uh, it's good that overall this season's going a lot better than last time I was on. But coming off of last week and kind of just seeing some of the season, uh, I think there's a lot of like good takeaways. But then... Um, and there's been a ton of close games, but just kind of going into looking at last week, it shows that we're always putting ourselves in these very tight games, and there's a lot of valid reasons to be a little uh, um, conservative on how well the team's actually been performing because there hasn't been a really decisive victory since week one. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you, Davis, that I'm really happy that we're, we're talking again, one, which is makes me happy, but two, we're talking again with a 10-3 and three Vikings team, which is a lot different than last season and the season before. Um, question that I have for you, and you kind of alluded to it briefly there, if you go on Twitter, if you listen to the national media talk, um, everything you hear about the Vikings is that they're not legit. I think we might have seen some of that against Detroit this past weekend. Um, <clears throat> I know out of the teams in the league that have 10 wins or even nine wins this season, we are the only team in negative point differential, and it's by a wide margin compared to those teams that are in the positive uh, point differential margin. So my question for you is, with all the access you have to the unlimited data um, and calculations that PFF gives you, do you think that the Vikings are a contender this year, or do you think you know they're kind of hiding within the Giants and what the national media says, what Twitter says is pretty true, that... They're ten and three record wise, but they're not a real ten and three team. I think we could absolutely be a contender, but I wouldn't um, necessarily put us up with those with a lot of the other higher teams in the NFC. I know we're the second seed, um, but I just think that kind of the issue with our team's identity is just we haven't been super consistent. Where uh, we just haven't really been able to put together a full game on both sides, which we're going to have to. Um, play just throughout the course of the postseason in multiple games. It's just the consistency. I just don't know if it's really going to be there. Yeah. And when, when you look at now the injury report from this week, it's a growing list. I mean, a bunch of them are questionable. Uh, and it seems like the last few weeks they've almost not had Zedarius Smith because of injuries with that knee. Uh, and so when you factor in injuries on top of all the, the kind of luck they've had to get to 10 and three, what, what do you think your cap is or what's the, the ceiling for the Vikings this year? I think, I think like the, the reason why it's just, even though it's like easy to be very conservative, I think they really, I think we have the talent there to really, um, to really do whatever we 
we want to do in the postseason is just sort of whether or not we're healthy enough, whether or not um, the defense at the time is playing well enough, and whether or not um, as like an offensive line group and as an offense we're able to execute and have decent time of possession and have successful drives. I So I, I think really the ceiling is the limit, but it's just the odds of everything clicking together are just a little um, unlikely. Yeah, I think that the biggest hole that the Vikings have, and I think any Vikings fan will agree, is our defense. Whether it's the talent that we're able to put out there week by week, and I know we've had some injuries like Harrison Smith, like Dantzler, um, Lewisine, and now Andrew Booth, so our top two picks being out for extended time. Um, but however way you put it, whether it's the the players, like I said, or the scheme behind it, it's definitely the weak part um, of the three fronts of football, offense, defense, and special teams. And this past week, even more so than that, there's been some question about Donatale's, uh, Donatale's coaching job and what the status is going to be, if he's going to stay as the defensive coordinator, if we're going to shift him around or just let go of him. And KOC announced that right now they're not going to do anything with that. And um, he's going to continue to coach the defense. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to O'Connell's interview, but if you kind of read between the lines there, it, it seemed like he at least understands um, that a shift have to be has to be made on the defensive side to get us to be that contender, which right now we're not seeing with the past four games, giving up 400 yards. But I'm wondering if you've gotten a chance to look through the P- PFF data, and <clears throat> I've, I've wondered if you've noticed that there's a certain group like the defensive backs, the defensive line or linebackers that have stuck out in one way, whether really positively this year's this year with their numbers or negatively um, I'd imagine all the way around it's not that good relative to the rest of the league and their defenses but I'm just wondering if you've looked into that with uh, 400 yards the four plus past weeks like I said there's got to be some pretty low PFF ranks on that defensive side yeah I think it uh, uh, I think it's just kind of like what you said it's one of those things where kind of like O'Connell did like kind of allude to that we're trying to like make tweaks to make this team work. So at this point of the year, it's hard to totally reinvent the defense, but it just kind of seems there's a disconnect between the front and the back end of the defense where uh, it's, we're not really able to sort of generate enough pressure to sort of give them to really help the back end out in our scheme. And through that, a lot of the inconsistency, like you said, we've went through so many different corners, so many with different corners with significant snaps that really just that group as a whole, I think is really which from the eye test and the data is what's been struggling the most. Yeah. What do you think about the, the pass rush? I mean, it was good to start the season. Uh, I mean, Zedarius got off to an insane start uh, in those first few weeks for us. Yeah. I think he has eight and a half sacks, but hasn't really done anything the last few weeks. And it's kind of been the same for the rest of the defense. They were getting some pressure early the second half of the, of this season so far, they have really not had any pressure whatsoever. Really the last four weeks. Uh, now the run stopping got a little bit better when Delvin Tomlinson got back into the lineup and he's been back in the last two games. So the run stopping I think is there uh, at times, but the, the pass rush seems like it's non-existent right now. Does the, the PFF grades kind of back that up? I think so. And I, I think uh, it's kind of a kind of a shame. So I felt like before um, Zedarius got banged up in the Buffalo game, he was starting to kind of settle into the defense. Um, once we uh, when we played Miami, because starting at Miami, he 
he recorded 11 pressures and then four in Arizona, nine in Washington, nine in Buffalo. And after at Dallas, he had one, New England five, Jets three, and then Detroit, he had six. So I think there's definitely been a fall off. And I think just as a front, we're not really generating enough pressure to sort of give our uh, defensive um, backs enough time to really um, – we're basically giving too much time to the offense to really create plays where we're mostly a zone team where we're running cover one only 10% of the time, which is the third lowest in the NFL. Yeah. And focusing on Zadarius once more, he's has eight and a half sacks throughout his first seven games. And he's only had one sack since then, obviously a big um, off season acquisition for the Vikings. He's had a great year. He's right amongst the league in pressures, but obviously the last seven games having one sack um, isn't going to cut it for a team who's 10-3 and three and is looking to get to that big game in February. So I want to hear your take, Davis, on if you think it's time for the Vikings to just rest Zadarius because clearly there's some issues not only with the defensive scheme that's putting up one sack in the last seven games, but also just his health with his knee. Um, we're 10-3, and three, as everybody knows. If he sits out, we, we may still win without him. If we lose, we're still in a good spot. We're going to make the playoffs regardless. So I'm wondering, the football guru that you are, if you uh, recommend or what your suggestion is to sit Zadarius out and maybe have him heal up a few weeks and get ready for that playoff push. I'm a little hesitant to sit him. Um, mostly, I, I guess mostly the production has definitely dipped on his end and he's clearly not a hundred percent healthy. Uh, but I, I think the, we have a bunch of very winnable games in the foreseeable future. And, and with the uh, Sanford kind of looming to take over the second seed, uh, I think that would be just kind of an important thing for us to lock up just to sort of help us in the postseason going forward. Yeah, certainly. Uh, flipping gears a little bit, going over to the offensive side of things. Obviously, it was a historic performance from JJ. I think it was the regular season Vikings record, which is it kind of weird that they. Uh, it's not just like a game, you know. Like any any time, whether it's in the playoffs or the regular season, like why wouldn't there just be like one record? But anyway, it's the regular season receiving record for Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins had maybe, you know, from my point of view, at least one of his best games in purple. Um, maybe back to the 2019 season. Uh, he had some gems in there, but that was his best game of the year for my taste. Did you see it that way? And did PFF agree with that? I think so. I actually, I think this has been uh, Kirk's best year. It might not really show, I think, completely through stats or kind of, but it's, um, he's been getting hit a lot this year and kind of stood in there and made a lot of huge throws. So he's been, well passing, he's been hit 67 times this year, which is the most in the NFL. He has the most yards passing while being hit as well. So I think he's really been standing in there making a lot of big throws for us. And uh, I think just by him doing that this year, he's really he's limited sacks. He's still been sacked the 21st most out of all quarterbacks in the NFL. But I do think uh, really just Kirk has um, kind of done very well in this offense and made a lot of big throws. I think he's been huge this year. Yeah, and just the ability for Kirk to stand in the pocket when there's pressure coming down, uh, you know, right down the middle or from the outsides or whatever, but his pocket presence has taken another jump this year. I mean, when he first got here a couple of years ago, he was so jumpy, and then he'd go through stretches where he wasn't jumpy and he was taking too many chances. 
Uh, and then he'd go through stretches where he'd just curl up anytime there was any sort of pressure coming in. But I think his pocket pressure, one, has been incredibly uh, improved this season. And two, I think something that goes under the radar a bit is he is tough as hell. He is maybe the toughest quarterback in the NFL we have right now. I mean, he takes just big time shots, play after play, and he's never hurt. He never misses a game. Knock on wood. We say this all the time here, but it's it's incredible the the kind of leader he is for that offense with the pieces he has around him, which is is, is incredible. I, think I want to get into the offensive line too. They've been a big uh, a big surprise, I guess you could say, in terms of their ability uh, to to block and, and what we've had so many struggles with over the years. Offensive line related, it's been a nice relief this season uh, with what they've done. But Kirk, even with all that pressure, has been pretty pretty damn good. And is there any possibility? He uh, sneaks in, in the MVP conversation. I know he was in there a little bit, um, but with, with some of the picks the last few weeks and when, then with Jalen Hurts, the way he's playing and with uh, Mahomes, is there any chance that, that Kirk sneaks in there as a dark horse for an MVP? I I don't think so just because of the numbers and sort of just the narrative around the team, but I think without a doubt he's been just massive for this team. Uh, um, just kind of like you said, if um, – the offensive line has definitely um, improved this year where uh, a lot of like key players such as like Darissa um, uh, has been incredible. Cleveland and Bradbury have really improved. The only really dark spot's been Ingram this year. Um, but I I don't know if he'd be able to just sneak in just because of the numbers, but I think without a doubt he's been definitely a very unsung hero and probably does deserve to be in that conversation. So who is your pick right now? If you were one of the voters, who would your MVP vote go to in week 14? I think just with the numbers and sort of the season that they're having, I think, uh, I think Jalen Hurts has been huge for the team. Uh, I think just he's, so, he's very dynamic and he's just very steady. And I think uh, just the consistency of that team and the performance is just kind of undeniable. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to argue that, especially how he's been closing this second half of the week, just looking very efficient through the air um, on the ground, too. He's he's really jumped out um, and improved year after year. So, unfortunately, I, I think Kirk is out of the race. I know both Brady and I put some money um, on Kirk to win the MVP before the beginning of the <laughs> season. So that's most likely not going to happen. But I did want to ask you, with the access you have being a part of PFF, um, I don't know if you've looked into this or not, but I'll give you the question anyway. Are there any dark horses when it comes to end-of-the-year awards, whether that's, I guess, obviously not MVP, but Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive uh, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year? Do you think there's somebody you have in your mind that you think should win that award that isn't necessarily getting talked about winning that award or not talked about as much as they should be? I think, uh, so I guess going, I think, I think absolutely Justin should be the offensive player of the year. Um, I think kind of just the campaign he's had this year and sort of how he's even just kind of gotten better throughout the year. I think he really definitely deserves that award. I think it'll be, um, I think there will be a lot of competition because there's been a lot of great uh, skill position players this year. Um, but I think uh, he's been, uh, this year he's been doubled 166 times, which is the most in the NFL. And 
last year throughout the entirety of the season, Cup was the most, and you know, he was doubled 145 times. Uh, he's um, he has the most yards while being doubled this year, 517, and he's really just kind of gotten so much better, improved, um, and learned how to deal with those types of coverages. Like for example, when we played the Lions in Week Three, he was doubled 16 times. Obviously, not a great result that game, where he was doubled 24 times this last week, and he set the franchise record for receiving yards. He's got exactly 1,500 receiving yards through 14 weeks uh, in this NFL season. Uh, and another bright spot on the offense, at least in flashes, I guess more uh, special teams. I have another offensive guy in a minute. But special teams, and you were, were all over Kenny Wongwu uh, back when the Vikings first drafted him. Was it two years ago? Is he a, Or is it th- was it three years ago uh, that they drafted Wongwu? I can't remember right now. But you we, were all... We drafted him last year. Okay, so it was, it was last season then when we were talking about it. Uh, but it was early in the season, maybe even before... Uh, the Vikings had played a regular season game. One of the first times you came on, you were all over Kenny Wongwu. He had that touchdown return on special teams uh, back, I think it was Thanksgiving week, um, that game. But he's been incredible. And now his percentage of returns, I saw a stat a few weeks ago, it was something, it was on pace to be better than Cordero Patterson and Devin Hester. Uh, maybe it was not Devin Hester, but it was better than Cordero Patterson, who now has the most uh, touchdown returns of all time. So kudos to you on the on the uh, correct pick with Kenny Wongwu. Can we use him more on offense? And another guy to ask that question about is Jalen Rager. What is your take on, on those two guys? Do they deserve more snaps on, on the offensive side of things? And do you think there's any chance that we could see some wrinkles with them the next few weeks and then heading into the playoffs? I think it would be great to get Kenny more in the fold for sure in, in the offense. Uh, I think the production is really has been there still for Dalvin, which is which is great. But I think also to some degree he's really struggled this year as well. Uh, some of that might be due to run blocking or the or sort of just the timeliness of our play calling because um, he's still averaging four and a half yards per carry and he has 951 rushing yards, which is completely respectable. But he's this year um, for runs of uh, no gain or a loss. That happens 11% of the time. He takes a carry, which is the fifth worst in the NFL amongst running backs. Uh, I think sort of, I think Kane would be great in the run game. Uh, a total different change, something different to account for. And I think uh, as we see in, in the return game, I think he's super dynamic and he could really change the offense. When looking at Rager as well, I think he's had some flashes of being really dynamic. He's only had nine targets this year, but, He's been able, he's hauled in six receptions for 87 yards. He gets targeted 29% of the time he's on the field. So usually when he's out there, he's definitely a threat. Uh, I, I would like to see him get more snaps because a lot of the rhythm of our offense this year is run mostly through Justin. It'd be good to kind of uh, give other weapons and make defenses account for other players. Yeah, I think both Kenne and Jalen um, provide that change of pace and that spark sometimes you need. Um, in our offense because we're so dedicated to the Delvin Cooks and the Justin Jeffersons on the team where Kenny's in the backfield. You have no idea if it's going to be a run or a pass. Um, same with Jalen Rager. You don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass, and they just have speed, which is so hard to find with that new cornerback signed signing the other day, 4.2340 speed. Um, it's just I think we can use more of these guys, and you saw it in the Rams offense last year. They had so many guys doing the jet sweeps doing these creative plays, which we're already doing with Jefferson, moving him all over the place. But 
we have these weapons. You can see what they do on the field. They just outrun um, past NFL guys. It's, I think, something there um, to create this offense more dynamic um, and to have to have the opponent's team opponent teams prep more. Um, but I wanted to go back quick to what you're saying about the Vikings run game and whether it's our running backs or the run blocking game. But I found this stat from Alec Lewis, who is the Vikings beat writer from The Athletic. And the stat is in the last five weeks, 33.9. So 34% of the Vikings runs have gone for zero yards or negative yards. So, I mean, one out of every three runs for the past weeks has either gained no yards or it's gone backwards. And that's the most in the NFL by a gigantic margin. So I don't think if you bring in Kenny, that's going to do anything that makes this running game any worse. We need something to spark it. We need something to make this running game more dynamic. Maybe that's play calling overall. Um, but I certainly think getting more guys in there um, into the rotation, whether it's Kenny or Jalen, is only going to help. So I'm with you. Definitely. And I think it's... Uh, um I think it'll just it'll just make it'll kind of make defenses more off balance. Or I think to some degree we can be at times a little predictable, uh, and I think that might be why they're able to commit to certain run plays and we're having all these runs of uh, no gain. And it uh, a lot of a lot of these um, stuffs, like you said, these runs for zero yards. Um, it really it really detracts from our our drives. It kills the rhythm of the offense, and that's typically a lot of the times why we get off field. Yeah, I mean, it just absolutely destroys drives when you look at the percentage of conversions uh, from from a second and long and then getting into third down. Going backwards on first and second down is just terrible for an offense. And I, I've really, I, I really get frustrated when the Vikings run these empty sets on on like fourth and two or third and two, and they, they keep running these empty sets. Uh, but when you look at some of the running numbers, it's almost like, okay, I guess I, I understand a little bit more now. Um, but there's certainly some more things they can do offensively, but what it's going to come down to for this team is how they adjust defensively. And, and I think that's should be at the front of the mind of Kevin O'Connell. He's had an incredible first year as a head coach. Um, obviously winning 10 games in your first 13 is is a pretty damn good start. He's probably going to be a coach of the year candidate. Um, he might not be able to beat out Sirianni um, or some of the other guys. I don't know who else is in that conversation, but he, he's been pretty incredible. His game management was really flawless. I mean, maybe best we've had here in Minnesota in a long time up until this last Sunday, at least for, for my point of view some questionable decisions in that game going for early uh, in the first half on a fourth and five or fourth and six, I think it was um, on our side of the field, some questionable decisions to go for the two point conversion. I know the, the analytics were, were there. That's what he explained that the analytics favored that, but what has been your impression so far of Kevin O'Connell year one with Minnesota Vikings? Uh, has it been, a, I mean, obviously you win a bunch of games, but is it everything you hope for and more? And what could you see him improving on in the last four weeks of the season? I, I think he's been great this year. I think he's been, uh, I think there's definitely, uh, like, which I guess is hard to quantify, but I think there's certainly been a culture shift where um, I guess the best way you could really quantify is how we're going from losing all these close games and winning most of them. I think, uh, I think for the most part, his uh, game management's been great. I agree. There's been a, um, at times, some questionable um, questionable decisions, but for the most part, there's not a lot to complain about. Uh, I also just, 
I think a lot of a lot of uh, fans really like what we've done with the offense as well, where it's um, it's been a lot a lot more dynamic. There's been a, a lot more um, um, variance to what we do with it. And I think there's been a lot more success as well because of that. And I think uh, overall he's managed the team very well. And I think there's we'll just kind of have to see how it all comes together. But so far, I think he's been great this year. Definitely the coach of the year candidate, especially at the turnaround from last year. Going forward into week 15 now, playing Indianapolis, um, one thing that I'm looking for specifically is kind of for KOC to bounce back, if you will. I think this has really been the only game that we've been out-coached. I think that Dan Campbell and I believe the OC for the Lions is Ben Johnson. Uh, I think they really out-coached us um, with some of their fourth down conversions, with that fake punt, with that Penai Sewell um, game-clinching catch. Um, we already talked about some of the questionable stuff that KOC did this past week, which I really think is an anomaly. Um, I think it'll be cool and because I think KOC can do it, but bounce back in this coaching effort in a favorable matchup against the Colts at home um, and kind of see what he's all about. I mean, he's a 10-win coach on his first season, which is a success automatically. Um, but this was the fir- really the first time this year he made a few like bonehead calls bonehead plays um where it's going for two where it's kicking that onside kick at the end of the game it's whatever else so i think that's what i'm looking forward to in the colts game to see if he's got a little fire under him after getting beat by an inferior team i think last week um and hearing some of the what the national media is saying is there anything you davis are looking for specifically in the game against the colts whether it's koc specific or if it's an injured player coming back or stopping a guy on their colts just anything you're looking forward to um this matchup this saturday i think uh i think i think for sure like you said i think i would like i think kevin i'd like to have a bounce kind of a bounce back game i guess if you'd say for kevin where i think last week uh you know i think we were kind of trying to in some ways match the Lions where the Lions identity, they kind of play very desperate. They're very aggressive. And I think that we were trying to match that because we knew that's how they play. But I think if we just kind of have to play how we've been playing the whole year and not really deviate from that. But I think the main thing is this week, what I'm really just hoping to see from the team is I want to do just much better time of possession, uh, just kind of being able to keep the offense on the field more and also just getting the defense off as, as quickly as possible as well where last week that certainly wasn't the case yeah exactly got to keep keep the offense on the field for as long as possible and hopefully get some more positive runs i mean dalvin cook's been electric at times but you got to give him a chance uh and there's certainly been some some issues there hopefully um i guess i had the vikings injury report up here but it, it sounds like bradbury should be back i'm not sure about darisa he's not even on here so um the injury report that is Bradbury was a limited participant today. He's questionable, but Darisaw off the injury report um, for the Vikings, so it'll be good to get him back. Hopefully Bradbury's alongside him as well, but just, uh, I I guess, looking ahead for the rest of the season, I try to get it out of you earlier, but what is your prediction, Davis, for how far the Vikings go? Uh, If you want to give us a regular season final record, too, I take that, but how far do you think this Vikings team goes this season? Well, I, I think uh, I think I think some 
we're going to have to win some key games in the playoffs where I think it's, we're certainly playoff bound. Uh, I think some of, there's a, I think the kind of the top three teams, NFC, the, the Niners, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles are those types of teams sometimes give a difficulty just based on how physical those teams are. Um, so I think really at some point we have to beat one of those teams. So I think if we're able to do that, I think sky's the limit we could go as as far as we'd like to. Prediction-wise, I'd like to see us at least win in the wild card round, and it would be nice to at least win our home games, at least make it to NFC Championship. So I think that really should be, in my opinion, the expectation based on the type of season we've had. Uh, obviously, we'd like to do, do more than that, but I think that should at least, in my opinion, be the baseline, of, especially knowing that we're going to be hosting some home games. I think that's as far as we really should be going, for sure, at the minimum. Yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, the Vikings, they're going to hopefully win the NFC North this weekend um, and then lock up at least one home game, finish the regular season strong and potentially get that two seed, hopefully hang on to the two seed, I should say, if we can if we can, uh, you know, stave off the, the, the 49ers valiant run here. But it'd be great to get the two seed, get a bunch of home games and then go to Philly and try to flip the script from what happened back in 2017. Davis, thank you again for calling in and coming back on the show. We'd love to have you again, maybe before the, uh, the playoffs start, if, uh, if that would work with you. Certainly. Absolutely, man. All righty, we'll talk to you again sometime soon, Davis. Once again, thank you for coming on. For sure. Thanks for having me on.
rising sun.